The Evolution of Modesty, Part 1, Section 2 of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume 1, by Havelock Ellis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Evolution of Modesty, Part 1, Section 2. The discussion of modesty is complicated by the difficulty, and even impossibility, of excluding closely allied emotions. Shame, shyness, bashfulness, timidity, etc. All of which, indeed, however defined, adjoin or overlap modesty. It is not, however, impossible to isolate the main body of the emotion of modesty, on account of its special connection, on the whole, with the consciousness of sex. Here I attempt, however imperfectly, to sketch out a fairly complete analysis of its constitution, and to trace its development. In entering upon this investigation, a few facts with regard to the various manifestations of modesty may be helpful to us. I have selected these from scattered original sources, and have sought to bring out the variety and complexity of the problems with which we are here concerned. The New Georgians of the Solomon Islands, so low a race that they are ignorant both of pottery and weaving, and wear only a loincloth, have the same ideas of what is decent with regard to certain acts and exposures that we ourselves have, so that it is difficult to observe whether they practice circumcision. In the New Hebrides, the closest secrecy is adopted with regard to the penis, not at all with a sense of decency, but to avoid narak, the sight even of that of another man being considered most dangerous. The natives of this savage island, accordingly, wrap the penis around with many yards of calico, and other like materials, winding and folding them into a preposterous bundle eighteen inches, or two feet long, and two inches or more in diameter is formed, which is then supported upward by means of a belt, in the extremity decorated with flowering grasses, etc., the testicles are left naked. There is no other body covering. In the Pelu Islands, says Kubari, as quoted by Bastian, it is said that when the god Irakadugurul and his wife were creating man and woman, he forming man and she forming woman, and were at work on the sexual organs, the god wished to see his consort's handiwork. She, however, was cross, and persisted in concealing what she had made. Ever since then, women wear an apron of pandanus leaves, and men go naked. In the Pelu Islands, Semper tells us that when approaching a large water hole, he was surprised to hear an affrighted, long-drawn cry from his native friends. A girl's voice answered out of the bushes, and my people held us back, for there were women bathing there who would not allow us to pass. When I remarked that they were only women, of whom they need not be afraid, they reply that it is not so, that women had an unbounded right to punish men who passed them when bathing, without their permission, and could inflict fines or even death. On this account, the women's bathing place is a safe and favorite spot for a secret rendezvous. Fortunately, a woman's toilet lasts but a short time in this island. Among the western tribes of Torres Strait, Hayden states, the men were formerly nude, and the women wore only a leaf petticoat, but I gather that they were a decent people. 
now both sexes are prudish a man would never go new before me the women would never voluntarily expose their breasts to white men's gaze this applies to quite young girls less so to old women amongst themselves they are of course much less particular but i believe they are becoming more so formerly i imagine there was no restraint in speech now there is a great deal of prudery for instance the men were always ashamed when i asked for the name of the sexual parts of a woman after a subsequent expedition to the same region the author reiterates his observations as to the ridiculously prudish manner of the men attributable to missionary influence during the past thirty years and notes that even the children are affected by it at my buiag some small children were paddling in the water and a boy of about ten years of age reprimanded a little girl of five or six years because she held up her dress too high although the women of new guinea vanez says are very slightly clothed they are by no means lacking in a well-developed sense of decorum if they notice for instance that any one is paying special attention to their nakedness they become ashamed and turn round when a woman had to climb the fence to enter the wild pig enclosure she would never do it in vaness's presence in australia the feeling of decency is decidedly less prevalent among males than females the clothed females retire out of sight to bathe except for waistbands forehead bands necklets and armlets and a conventional pubic tassel shell or in the case of the women a small apron the central australian native is naked the pubic tassel is a diminutive structure about the size of a five shilling piece made of a few short strands of fur strings flattened out into a fan shape and attached to the pubic hair as to the string especially at corroboree times is covered with white kaolin or gypsum it serves as a decoration rather than a covering among the aruta and laricha the women usually wear nothing but further north a small apron is made and worn of the central australians sterling says no sense of shame of exposure was exhibited by the men on removal of the diminutive articles worn as conventional coverings they were taken off quorum populo and bartered without hesitation on the other hand some little persuasion was necessary to allow inspection of the effect of urethral sub-incision assent being given only after dismissal to a distance of the women and young children as to the women it was nearly always observed that when in camp without clothing they especially the younger ones exhibited by their attitude a keen sense of modesty if indeed a consciousness of their nakedness can be thus considered when we desired to take a photograph of a group of young women they were very coy at the proposal to remove their scanty garments and retired behind a wall to do so but once in a state of nudity they made no objection to exposure to the camera in northern queensland phallocrypts or penis concealers only used by the males at corroborees and other public rejoicings are either formed of pearl shell or opossum string the kumpa ra or opossum string form of phallocrypt forms a kind of tassel and is colored red it is hung from the waist belt in the middle line in both sexes the privates are only covered in special public occasions or in close proximity to white settlements 
The principle of chastity, says Forrester, of his experiences in the South Sea Islands in their unspoilt state, we find in many families exceedingly well understood. I have seen many fine women who, with a modesty mixed with politeness, refused the greatest and most tempting offers made them by our forward use. Often they excuse themselves with a simple tiratano, I am married, and at other times they smiled and declined it with epia, no. Virtuous women hear a joke without emotion, which amongst us might put some men to the blush. Neither austerity and anger, nor joy and ecstasy is the consequence, but sometimes a modest, dignified, serene smile spreads itself over their face, and seems gently to rebuke the uncouth gesture. Captain Cook, at Tahiti, in 1769, after performing divine service on Sunday, witnessed vespers of a very different kind. A young man, nearing six feet high, performed the rites of Venus with a little girl about eleven or twelve years of age, before several of our people and a great number of the natives, without the least sense of its being indecent or improper, but, as it appeared, in perfect conformity to the custom of the place. Among the spectators were several women of superior rank, who may properly be said to have assisted at the ceremony, for they gave instructions to the girl how to perform her part, which, young as she was, she did not seem much to stand in need of. At Tahiti, according to Cook, it was customary to gratify every appetite and passion before witnesses, and it is added, in the conversation of these people, that which is the principal source of their pleasure is always the principal topic. Everything is mentioned without any restraint or emotion, and in the most direct terms, by both sexes. I have observed, Captain Cook wrote, that our friends in the South Seas have not even the idea of indecency, with respect to any object or any action. But this was by no means the case with the inhabitants of New Zealand, in whose carriage and conversation there was as much modest reserve and decorum with respect to actions, which yet in their opinion were not criminal, as are to be found among the politest people in Europe. The women are not impregnable, but the terms and manner of compliance were as decent as those in marriage among us, and according to their notions, the agreement was as innocent. When any of our people made an overture to any of their young women, he was given to understand that the consent of her friends was necessary, and by the influence of a proper present, it was generally obtained. But when these preliminaries were settled, it was also necessary to treat the wife for a night with the same delicacy that it is here required by the wife for life, and the lover who presumed to take any liberties by which this was violated, was sure to be disappointed. Cook found that the people of New Zealand bring the prepuce over the gland, and to prevent it from being drawn back by the contraction of the part, they tie the string which hangs from the girdle round the end of it. The glands, indeed, seem to be the only part of their body which they were solicitous to conceal, for they frequently threw off all their dress but the belt and string, with the most careless indifference, but showed manifest signs of confusion when, to gratify our curiosity, they were requested to untie the string, and never consented but with the utmost reluctance and shame. The women's lower garment was always bound fast around them, except when they went into the water to catch lobsters, and then they took great care not to be seen by the men. 
we surprised several of them at this employment and the chaste diana with her nymphs could not have discovered more confusion and distress at the sight of Actaeon than these women expressed upon our approach some of them hid themselves among the rocks and the rest crouched down in the sea till they had made themselves a girdle and apron of such weeds as they could find and when they came out even with this veil we could see that their modesty suffered much pain by our presence in rotuma in polynesia where the women enjoy much freedom but where at all events in old days married people were as a rule faithful to each other the language is not chaste according to our ideas and there is a great deal of freedom in speaking of immoral vices in this connection a man and his wife will speak freely to one another before their friends i am informed though by european traders well conversant with the language that there are grades of language and that certain coarse phrases would never be used to any decent woman so that probably in their way they have much modesty only we cannot appreciate it the men of rotuma says the same writer are very clean the women also bathing twice a day in the sea but bathing in public without the kukaluga or sulu loincloth which is the ordinary dress around the waist is absolutely unheard of and would be much looked down upon in ancient samoa the only necessary garment for either man or woman was an apron of leaves but they possess so delicate a sense of propriety that even while bathing they have a girdle of leaves or some other covering around the waist after babyhood the indians of guiana are never seen naked when they change their single garment they retire the women wear a little apron now generally made of european beads but the warau still make it out of the inner bark of a tree and some seeds the mandaruku women of brazil according to tocanus quoted by mentagaza are completely naked but they are careful to avoid any postures which might be considered indecorous and they do this so skillfully that it is impossible to tell when they have menstrual periods the indians of central brazil have no private parts in men the little girdle or string surrounding the lower part of the abdomen hides nothing it is worn after puberty the penis being often raised and placed beneath it to lengthen the prepuce the women also use a little strip of bast that goes down the groin and passes between the thighs among some tribes caribs tupis new arwaks a little triangular coquettishly made piece of bark bast comes just below the mons veneris it is only a few centimeters in width and is called a uluri in both sexes concealment of the sexual mucous membrane is attained these articles cannot be called clothing the red thread of the trumai the elegant uluri and the variegated flag of the bororo attract attention like ornaments instead of drawing attention away van den steinen thinks this proceeding a necessary protection against the attacks of insects which are often serious in brazil he does think however that there is more than this and that the people are ashamed to show the glands penis other travelers mention that on the amazon among some tribes the women are clothed and the men naked among others the women naked and the men clothed thus among the gaikuras the men are quite naked while the women wear a short petticoat among the uapas the men always wear a loincloth while the women are quite naked 
The feeling of modesty is very developed among the Fuegians, who are accustomed to live naked. They manifest it in their bearing, and in the ease with which they show themselves in a state of nudity, compared with the awkwardness, blushing, and shame which both men and women exhibit if one gazes at certain parts of their bodies. Among themselves, this is never done even between husband and wife. There is no Fuegian word for modesty, perhaps because the feeling is universal among them. The women wear a minute triangular garment of skin, suspended between the thighs and never removed, being merely raised during conjugal relations. Among the Crow Indians of Montana, writes Dr. Holder, who has lived with them for several years, a sense of modesty forbids the attendance upon the female in labor of any male, white man or Indian, physician or layman. This antipathy to receiving assistance at the hands of the physician is overcome as the tribe progresses towards civilization, and it is especially noticeable that half-breeds almost constantly seek the physician's aid. Dr. Holder mentions the case of a young woman who, although brought near the verge of death in a very difficult first confinement, repeatedly refused to allow him to examine her. At last she consented. Her modest preparation was to take bits of quilt, and cover thighs and lips of vulva, leaving only the aperture exposed. Their modesty would not be so striking were it not that, almost to a woman, the females of this tribe are prostitutes, and for a consideration will admit the connection of any man. In every North American tribe, from the most northern to the most southern, the skirt of the woman is longer than that of the men. In Eskimo land, the parka of deerskin and sealskin reaches to the knees. Throughout central North America, the buckskin dress of the women reach quite to the ankles. The West Coast women, from Oregon to the Gulf of California, wore a petticoat of shredded bark, of plaited grass, or of strings, upon which were strung hundreds of seeds. Even in the most tropical areas, the rule was universal, as anyone can see from the codices or in pictures of the natives. Describing the loincloth worn by Nicobarus men, man says, from the clumsy mode in which this garment is worn by the sham pen, necessitating frequent readjustment of the folds, one is led to infer that its use is not de rigueur, but reserved for special occasions, as when receiving or visiting strangers. End of the Evolution of Modesty, Part 1, Section 2